0: We are back for our third and, of course, final segment today. I think we're going to entirely skip what's going on, uh, on in Iraq. We will do a summary for you next week after the election that takes place in the interim. I don't know whether you heard about uh, this, uh, this book published posthumously by C.A. Tripp, a, uh, a gay man who was a former protege of Alfred Kinsey, but it featured prominently on the cover of The Week magazine. And it, uh, it hearkened me back to the National Lampoon's March 1971 issue, wherein their celebrated uh, editor Michael O'Donohue, in his, in his article titled, Let Me Show You How to Write Good, offered the following. And, and stay with me through this minor digression. Lesson one in Michael O'Donohue's uh, How to Write Good suggested that the grabber, is the initial sentence of a novel or short story designed to jolt the reader out of his complacency and arouse his curiosity, forcing him to press onward. For example, "'It's no good, Alex,' she rejoined. "'Even if I did love you, "'my father would never let me marry an alligator.'" Now, the reader is immediately bombarded with questions such as, why won't her father let her marry an alligator? How come she doesn't love him? And can she learn to love him in time? The reader's interest has been grabbed. (laughs) As another example of a grabber, we had the following. I have in my hands... Professor Willoughby exclaimed, clutching a sheaf of papers in his trembling fingers and pacing in circles about the carpet, while I stood at the window barely able to make out the Capitol Dome through the thick, churning fog that rolled in off the Potomac, wondering to myself what matter could possibly be so urgent as to bring the distinguished historian bursting into my State Department office at this unseemly hour. Definite proof that Abraham Lincoln was a homo! The fiction of 1971's National Lampoon becomes... The Reality of 2005, uh, C.A. Tripp's book is titled The Intimate World of Abraham Lincoln and is, uh, is based on the premise that the 16th president was, quote, predominantly homosexual, unquote. Now, I must say, I find this to be a very dubious proposition, Uh, Apparently some of his evidence consists of the fact that Lincoln wrote some letters about how he was heartbroken when a good friend of his was going to get married, how apparently one of Lincoln's guards was so devoted to the president he would share his bed when Mrs. Lincoln was away. Well, David Greenberg in Slate.com points out that, uh, you know, sharing a bed with men was extremely common in frontier American settlements. If you know the history of baseball, you know that when teams went on the road... In the 1910s and 1920s, ballplayers shared beds that did not equate to homosexuality. Commenting on this, Philip Noble from the Conservative Weekly Standard said, This book is worse than a polemic. It's a hoax and a fraud. Trust me, I know. Originally, I was Tripp's co-author. Our collaboration ended when I realized that Tripp insisted on seeing secret, erotic overtones in every one of Lincoln's male friendships. So the cartoon on the cover of the week uh, this this week shows, shows Mount Rushmore with Washington Jefferson and Teddy Roosevelt casting a side glance at Lincoln, who's winking with the title saying, was Lincoln gay? But speaking of honest Abe, I got reflecting on the fact that it was the second Bush inaugural uh, last week, and I took a look at the map, that red versus blue states map, took a second look at that and realized that all... 13 states on the Confederate flag, plus West Virginia, which was a part of Virginia at the time of the 1861 secession of the Confederacy, those 14 states total 177 electoral votes. George Bush carried all 14 and all 177 of those votes. He was the first Republican ever to do so in 2000. And uh, it's a rather interesting thing to look back and realize that uh, it was after the 1860 election that that a split Democratic Party uh, lost to the anti-slave Republican Party of Abraham Lincoln, which led the Confederate states to say that's enough, We're withdrawing from the Union. You look back at uh, Abe Lincoln's 1860 election, and you realize that George Bush carried only three of Lincoln's states, Ohio, Indiana, and Iowa. So when you take a look at it, uh, out of the Union that was the blue in the Civil War, George Bush got only 27 votes, but in the red that was the Confederacy, he got 177. As far as the blue states the Civil War, well, they voted blue for John Kerry. Kerry took 230 of the electoral votes uh, that were in play in 1860. So it appears, perhaps, that the South has finally risen again. I find it curious to look back at the election of 1876, one that the GOP clearly stole from the Democrats, and realized that they cut a deal at that time. We'll pull the troops out of the South, and we will quietly not enforce civil rights legislation that puts blacks on an even keel with whites before the law. Thus, the formerly anti-slavery party of the 1850s decided that eliminating slavery was quite enough. Now, the old Confederacy would be allowed to run elections and civil rights enforcement as they saw fit. Power was more important. And having Rutherford B. Hayes as president over Democrat Samuel Tilden was more important than pushing for Southern Reconstruction. For a hundred years after that deal... The South was solidly Democratic. They voted Democratic governors, senators, and congressmen. It was not until Ronald Reagan in 1980 would the GOP finally dominate in the southern states. You might note that uh, since JFK, no Democrat has won the presidency who was not also from the South. We would note that not coincidentally, for a 100 years, people like Strom Thurmond, were Democrats in their anti-civil rights stance, but since Northern Democrats pushed for those civil rights, there's been a switch, a fundamental uh, switch in the American political landscape. Anti-civil rights people are now Republicans, which is what Strom Thurmond ended his long career as, a hundred-year-old Republican senator. I think the South has risen again.
1: My window faces the south. And I'm where's the heaven. Snow is falling, but all I can see I feel the cup smiling back
2: at me by with the face is the sun.
0: Well, we're pretty sure on Radio Parallax that Abraham Lincoln was not in fact gay. But could SpongeBob be gay? Dr. James Dobson, founder of the conservative Christian group Focus on the Family, addressed members of Congress at a black-tie dinner in Washington last week, which was celebrating the president's alleged election victory. He advised this group that SpongeBob has been included in a pro-homosexual video. Joining us now in the program from Focus on the Family is Mr. Ed Vigilanto. Welcome to Radio Parallax.
1: Thank you and God bless
0: Now, sir, does your group really believe cartoon characters undermine our youth with secret gay messages?
1: Well, unmasking Spongebob is just the latest in a series of unveilings by alert Christians.
0: Well, I recall the Teletubby Tinky Winky being called gay by Jerry Falwell.
1: Good one. Exactly.
0: This is long before James Dobson's current hunt for cartoon witches going on.
1: You can call it a witch hunt in your smug California alternative lifestyle way, but a lot of people won't stand for this now. No? God-fearing churchgoers are going to say enough to the homosexual agenda in marriages.
0: Well, c- sir, can you cite any gay cartoon marriages?
1: It's a bait and switch. This we-are-family so-called unity effort.
0: Regarding SpongeBob Squarepants.
1: We're fighting mad.
0: And animated characters.
1: At any who promote abdominal lifestyles.
0: You mean abominable lifestyles?
1: You know what I mean.
0: Was there a plot that involves underwater sponge lifestyles?
1: We don't think Christian values are promoted on TV.
0: Well, doesn't Barney teach children to be nice?
1: In a homosexual type way, Barney is all lavender. So? This started with Batman.
0: Batman was an abomination.
1: Two men inseparable living together?
0: Well, as I recall the dynamic duo, they were sponsor and ward.
1: Yeah, with their sliding down greasy bat poles and donning flamboyant dress and wearing capes and the like. Do I have to spell it out for you?
0: Batman and Robin. Gay.
1: And Rocky and Bullwinkle. Very suspect. That Rocky character has a feminine voice.
0: Well, his voice was provided by a woman.
1: Oh, well, that just makes it worse. It does? A high-pitched sissy voice. A heck of a message, ain't it?
0: Well, Mary Martin played Peter Pan.
1: Very disturbing.
0: You know, I always thought so. You did? Yeah, I, I did as a kid, yeah.
1: Well, there you go. It's the tip of a Hollywood fantasy iceberg. We're looking into Hanna-Barbara, Yogi and Boo-Boo. And George of the Jungle was half-naked.
0: Well, well, George had a costume.
1: That's no excuse for near-nakedness. When Adam saw he was naked, he was ashamed.
0: How about the Warner Brother cartoons? Roadrunner? Yeah.
1: A meep-meep isn't very manly, is it?
0: But is it gay?
1: It's very fruity. Foghorn leghorn, mannerly speech, a southern gentleman, not like Elmer Fudd, an alternate lifestyle model, we say.
0: Elmer Fudd.
1: An alternate lifestyle promoting fictional representation.
0: Elmer Fudd.
1: He too speaks like a sissy.
0: Well, he had a speech impediment.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Well, as do many people.
1: You must think we're stupid.
0: Well, Mr. Vigilano, if the shoe Ram fits. It
1: up. Gay lover, we're closing you Californicators down.
0: Californicators. caters. your
1: devilish cartoonery, your Bullwinkle and stuff, we're not fooled.
0: Well, now, Bullwinkle J. Moose came from Frostbite Falls, Minnesota.
1: It was the squirrel character we once stopped.
0: Well, who else is suspect with the ones you mentioned so far?
1: Sylvester the Cat and that lisp of his? Mm-hmm.
0: Well, now, Thupper and Thuckatash, it doesn't make him gay.
1: Jim and Neutron, Mighty Mouse, Daffy Duck, Ren and Stimpy. Can I go on and on? Swishy? as $3 bills, we say.
0: Ed, I'm, I'm pretty sure Batman wasn't gay.
1: Well, maybe. But the boy Wonder, he was always a little bit tight in the pants there.
0: Uh-huh. So you're downing him for wearing no proper pants.
1: Cartoon characters should have good moral values.
0: And pants.
1: Christian values means proper trousers, yes, among other things.
0: So I guess the Pink Panther's really out.
1: That goes without saying.
0: Any other cartoon characters we should guard against?
1: How about Mr. Peabody and his boy Sherman? We say get the homosexuals out of acting in film and TV, in voice work, singers even.
0: Choreographers?
1: Why not? Theater art can be Christian. Bob Jones University has a solid drama department. Ever see that passion play?
0: Uh, no, I'm, I'm guessing it doesn't have any dance numbers, though.
1: Well, uh, carrying the cross is moving artistry enough. By
0: the, by the way, that cartoon witch, Brunhilde, any, any thoughts about her any, or any plans to burn her at the cartoon stake?
1: Thou shalt not suffer a witch to live.
0: Well, good luck piling up the faggots.
1: What did you say?
0: Well, for your cartoon woodpile, I'd say you better use plenty of faggots there. That was Ed Vigilano from the Focus on the Family group talking about the recent attack on Spongebob for promoting the gay agenda. All right, we are out of time. Our thanks to Madeline Kenefick of Cooking with Madeline, Cara Tierney, who is about to represent uh, KDBS in Burkina Faso, and Focus on the Family spokesman, Ed Vigilanto. This program was produced by Edward McMillan. I am Douglas Everett. You've been listening to Radio Parallax. We hope you will tune in again next Thursday at 5. Now, stay tuned for Todd. And let us bridge the gap to Todd's eclectic musical selections by um, taking another classic from late-night television. In fact, from the first host of The Tonight Show, Steve Allen, His, uh, his great song, This Could Be the Start of Something Big.
2: You're walking along the street, or you're at a party Or else you're alone, and then you suddenly dig You're looking in someone's eyes, and you suddenly realize This could be the start of something big You're dining at 21, watching your diet Declining a Charlotte Bruce, accepting a thing When out of a clear blue sky, it's suddenly gal and guy This could be the start of something big There's no controlling the unrolling of your fate, my friend Who knows what's written in the magic book But if a lover you'll discover at the gate, my friend Invite her in without a second look You're up in an airplane Or you're dining at Sardis Or else you're alone and then you suddenly think. You suddenly hear a bell, right away you can tell This could be the start of something This could be the heart of something This could be the start of something